Welcome back to Steam Powered Scoundrels, a Malifaux podcast. Episode 50 Hug That T.O. Behind the Curtain. Welcome back to Steam Powered Scoundrels. I am your host for the evening, Roman. This is actually going to be a bit of a different idea than what you're used to hearing from us. Oh no, another format. Whatever will we do? Our our listeners will never understand this, I'm sure. But we had a close friend of ours come to us with an idea that they wanted to cover, and here we are. So if you have an idea involving Malifaux that you want to talk about a bit, reach out to us in the Discord or wherever you can find us. We also respond to carrier pigeons and occasionally smoke signals. But for now, Ben, take it away. Yeah, thanks, Roman. So I'm Ben. I play Malifaux in the Fomaha area, Omaha area. I mostly play Guild, and I'm coming tonight, uh, today, whenever you're listening, with the idea that we just had a really interesting case study of a ruling in the Vassal World series. So I thought it was worth unpacking a little bit. I feel like it's a really good example of the kind of ways that TOs wind up making decisions for all you ingrates out there. And uh, so I guess this is a little bit of a sympathy for the devil episode. I I thought this one was crunchy enough that it's fun to like dig through. Uh, If you're not at all a rules lawyer, you might hate this episode. Um, If you if you think that what they do is interesting or you want to know why your TO like twists into weird shapes sometimes to try to make a game go a certain way or, or preserve a board state or something, this might give a little bit of a peek behind the curtain. So I'm on the Vassal World Series committee, the, the group of ne'er-do-wells that uh, get those events organized, and we all wear multiple hats on that, and uh, you know, there's, there's a certain extent to which no one really wants to see how that sausage is made, but I, I think my disclaimer is I'm going to talk about how we made this decision, uh, the other guys know that I'm doing this. What I say tonight is basically my take on it, each of them would tell the story a little differently. And that's actually a piece of what, like, rulings by committee does. But I guess most of most of what I want to get into is kind of how that all works. So I'll, I'll stop apologizing for it and let us just get into it. Sounds great. And also joining us here tonight is returning friend of the show, Rob. It's me, Rob. And we have Rob here tonight because he is the local TO for Indianapolis, which is where I'm currently based. So we'll have a couple different eyeballs and brains going on what we're talking about. Yeah, cheers. Thanks. So I think my first question for Rob is just, how, how do you feel, like, what, what's it like for you to TO in meat space? Like, how do, what's your idea of being a TO? Like, how do you do it? Like, what's your theory? Well, first and foremost, the reason I TO is because I want to foster a sense of community amongst my players. So making sure that everybody's having a good time. Uh, is actually my paramount goal. Because after all, we're playing a game. We all enjoy this game. And until somebody gets paid to actually play this game, none of us are actually professionals, no matter how good or bad we are. And so my goal is to create events that are fun for everybody, whether it's somebody who is, you know, a hardcore player who, you know, really studies the game or the casual player. I have a responsibility in my mind to everybody in the community, not just, you know, one group or or the other. So 
I try to be as, you know, it's a subjective thing, but I try to be as fair as possible to both sides. But I would say that overall, I'm also a very active TO in the sense that, and this is not knocking anybody, but I just don't sit on my phone or do something else while my players are playing their games at a tournament or an event. I'm actively moving around, watching all the games and you know, observing the narrative of the game and what's happening, but also observing the game state. Because again, because I'm there as an arbiter and judge, I want to be familiar at least with you know who's playing against who, which table are they on, what's the terrain like on that table. And, you know, I want to have, even if I'm bouncing between like, you know, anywhere between like four and 10 tables, I want to be able to at least have a good idea of, you know, who's playing against who and what's going on throughout, you know, the two and a half hours of the round, what everybody's doing in those games. So I'll, you know, I'll ask players, see what, you know, their schemes are, you know, take a look and things like that, um, just so I know what's going on. And also it helps me when a rules query does come up for me to be as, you know, fair as possible, but also keep an eye out for things like, you know, slow play and other things like that. I just want to be aware. And that's why I walk around and uh, make sure that I'm actively observing all the games. And I will, I will say this, I also tend to stay towards the top tables because that's generally where, in my experience, the deeper rules queries are going to happen. Yeah, definitely. I, I love everything you just said. And yeah, I, I 100% agree. And I think a- Ambrose Ingram did a great job, I think, on the Bayou Bash podcast, uh, talking about the Vassal World Series committee, TOing with a sense that, like, the major goal is to create a community of players that like each other and enjoy playing Malifaux together and, and have a way of doing it in this uh, format and forum that otherwise wouldn't be available to us. And, you know, it happened during the pandemic, especially, and had, like, an extra sort of boost of. of opportunity from that but i think what i would add to it is like some of what we do online can't match what you do in what i like to call meat space right Mm -hmm. because we we can't we we can walk around the tables in the sense that we can like join the vassal rooms and we can drop into chats but the events are not time bound right like the rounds are asynchronous uh, it's league style week by week so because of that we wind up like every once in a while we'll, we'll say we really want to have somebody watch this particular game, right? It's a championship game or there's been a question raised or whatever else. Uh, but mostly players are like on their own and have to kind of refer back to rulings. So a big piece of what we've wound up doing is, is we try to like pre-digest rules questions that are going to come up and then put them out to the community. And, and the idea there, and I think this is really like cannot be underlined enough. The idea is lots of these rulings can be made into like an A or a B final state, right? And in a lot of cases, it's a coin toss, or there's a reasonable way to play either kind of outcome on a given controversial issue. And until Weird says, formally, it's this way, the community kind of has to just figure out, like, we're going to play it all A, or we're going to play this one B. And, you know, somebody makes that decision. And so the idea of having a World Series FAQ document or a set of TO rulings is everybody knows how we're doing this the same way, right? So if you if you mm-hmm. look at a set of maps and you say, I really want to bring all my incorporeal guys into this and there's some way that incorporeal interacts with something, you know, you know before you declare resurrectionists or never born how we're going to judge that interaction, 
right? So, like, you, you don't feel gotcha in the middle of a game where, it, like, somebody asks a TO and they, we come in, read their situation, and chime in and say, like, yeah, no, the whole the whole list you built when you picked your faction for this tournament is wrong, right? Like, that, that that's the worst moment for a ruling to take place is in the middle of a game. Uh, so, ideally, people will come to us and say, like, well, how will this thing work if I, you know, put two soulstone caches on two different models? Will I pick up two stones or one when a model dies, right? And so, which is a question we got this week, right? Somebody needed that reviewed and then put two soulstone caches on Sabertooth Cerberus, like you do, and went off to the races. So, the idea of having a like a TO document, which we have for the Vassal World series, isn't that, like, we are magically, you know, sitting in a in a den of evil crafting like perfect Malifaux and then like, you know, putting it out to, to the peons past some like layer of inscrutable genius. Um, w- what we're doing is we're just saying like, here's a document. This community can refer to it. it. It is as consistent as we know how to make it. We'll kick the tires when somebody notices something or brings a, you know, a new issue in, but like, that's the goal, right? Is all the players, can know that there's a place to go to for the rulings, and then like they don't have to think about that mid game as much. So that in our, you know, we use three hour time controls online, but like during that three hours, you can just play your game, and you you've already had a chance to go through how how your models are going to play on the table. This sounds nothing so much like Latchkey Kid tournament organizing. <laughs> That's awesome. Yeah, yeah. No, I think yeah, I think the goal is to like sort of build up community knowledge, right? And I am very much that guy. Like, I will I will play a tournament. Like, I'm, I'm, I'm really... Re- I, I think I get super crunchy on the discords, and that's text-based, but, like, I don't know. I played a tournament on Saturday, and got uh, I got beat in round one. I got sucker-punched by Brian Bailing's Leviticus, right? And and so, like, after that, I was kind of flying, flying casual, right? And so, I... Like, there was some rule about whether the move rulings are, are choose two points on the basis of models only on pushes or in a move two. And I say, I think it's on all the moves, but I don't care. I can move the model over here instead. Not a big deal. And then, you know, after the game, I look it up and, like, send the ruling to the guy. Not as a gotcha or, like, a, hey, I told you so, but, like, because I think it's it's fun to, like, know how the game actually works. And, you know, the, the best time to do that is between games and kind of... that. So I, I spent a lot of time looking at the rules uh, between games to try to figure out how a thing works. So when I'm sitting there, like trying to figure out where to score my points or whatever, I don't have to worry about the rules. Uh, so I guess that's a little bit of this like particular episode. Is we had a really interesting one come up uh, a couple couple weeks ago, a week or two back, I guess. And I guess let me set the scene on this. So what happened was uh, we had a Malifaux World Series game. Uh, and a player who loves to find combos, and uh, like if, if you've been tracking the scene, you know who this is, but someone who kind of loves to get into the rules like joints and, and figure out exactly how they work and what can be done like at the extremes of how the models are able to be played, which I think is a totally legitimate like source of fun in the game, like way to play the game, like cool thing to bring onto the table and present your opponent with as a new problem for them to solve. Like all of that is like positive, positive, positive. Uh, about what's what's available in Malifaux, right? So he found a combo that looks like it just immediately deletes a model. Now, we all know that uh, we're just ruled against one of these, right? With the Seamus McMorning cremation copy combo that, that caught an emergency errata, right? Along with, like, Infinite Fire Karis, Infinite Poison Corpse Curator, and Hoffman's uh, Pylons, right? I, yeah, I can see you guys nodding. Um, 
So, like, we know that Weird will track those things, and, like, that, you know, like, instantly killing a model sort of perks, perks up some attention, right? Uh, so here's the combo, right? It, it's a dual master combo, asterisk, we'll, we'll come back to that in a minute. But Yanlo the Spirit Walker, title Yanlo, uses an obey, moves a model into engagement of Seamus OG. That procs Seamus's Why Hello Love ability, which gives him attack on the model. And then Seamus has an execute trigger. So he stones for the crow, and then the players agree that what happens because of this is Yanlo's obeying the model, and that means Yanlo controls the model during this generated attack. Therefore, the Yanlo Seamus player makes both flips, you know, low flips for whatever model X is being obeyed, has Seamus uh, generate the execute, and then chooses not to spend a card or a stone to save the enemy model from the execute, like, killing it immediately, right? We'll call it an execute, which types out poorly, but sounds almost <laughs> right when you say it. Yeah, mm-hmm. just one clarifying question. The Seamus is friendly to Yanlo, yes? Yes, right. Uh-huh. Okay, thank uh-huh. you. I mean, he's Seamus, so who knows what his feelings are. <laughs> like, steam-powered scoundrels can definitely work that out in some episode. So, like, Im- immediately bunch of reactions to this, right? There are people like, you know, like, oh, that's amazing. And there are people like, this should not happen, right? You know, like, piles of internet ink, digital ink spilled over this thing, like, right away. And so we all go back to our, like, den of iniquity, right? Like, behind the magic veil of World Series uh, curtains. And sort of say, like, uh, okay, like, should this work? Does this work? Should it work? And, and now we have to put our TO hats on. Uh, so we all, like, file into the White Rabbit company, right? Have them put our TO hats on us. Uh, discard them all to stop <laughs> some of the damage coming in already from the community. And, like, this, this is where I think it gets interesting. Because, like, I think as a process, we more or less agree on this, right? In, in this TO by committee. In, in the first place, you have to check rules as written, right? Like, does this actually work? And it's kind of fun to look at obeys and executes and the rules as written because, like, literally the first thing on the FAQ, like, section 1.1, if model Z is controlling model X's action and that action generates a new action, does model Z control the new action? And the answer is yes. The model Z controls the generated action and any subsequently generated actions. We'll come back to that. Then there's the core rules, where there's this key section, online rules, page 26, friendly enemy and control. So, friends, if you're if you're reading along at home, that's where you can find this. Uh, that says, you know, when you control an enemy model, what happens, the controlling player makes all decisions for the model, including flipping cards, cheating fate, declaring actions, and so on. Uh, if the control model uses a soul stone or discards a card or other resource, controlling player must discard the appropriate resource, right? So that that's, like, the relevant parts. So, rules is written, like, there's a case, uh, you're controlling the model when it walks into Seamus's range, there's a generated action, boom, what happens? Rules as intended would be the next step, right? Does weird mean this to be possible? This is tough to know. Weird is, is a little bit cagey. There are definite places where we've seen weird, like, use language in an FAQ. Uh, I am looking at you, would heal interactions on the Chronicle FAQ from (laughs) April 2021, which is language they, like, pulled out of there like it had never been there in February 2022, like, we wouldn't notice, but we did, weird. And, like, they, they literally had to create a healing timing table to, like, unpack the way that people were, like, using the Chronicle FAQ and the words would heal in April 2021 to try to explain, like, Jedza 1 and Title Jedza, Title Kirai, Sloth of all models. Anyway, 
So, like, it, it's tricky to figure out, like, even from an FAQ, you, you can't necessarily apply one FAQ result to another FAQ result, which is something, like, that was a hill I was going to die on until another World Series guy, like, pulled me off the fence and said, like, no, dude, like, you can't do this. Uh, and then the final step is basically, like, the TO house rules it somehow, right? Like, if you sort of say, like, seems like weird doesn't care, seems like rules is written, this works, but, like, we just don't think it should be part of a Malifaux game in our community. And that's, like, your sort of red button, right? You use that sparingly. R- Rob, I assume that's something you don't do a lot of either. Yeah, I mean, I really use it sparingly. I definitely would with this. Yeah. Right. <laughs> I-, I will say right now, I would definitely with this. Um... And we can go into the reasons for that. But yeah, it, the, the other thing that I will say also to to kind of the, the statement that you made just now of sort of the process, that's kind of what I go through as well as, you know, I look for rules as written first. That's kind of what I, I use as, as my standard. And then I look for the problem, right? And that's where I look at, you know, ROI instead, the rule of intent. And, <clears throat> you know, I kind of go from there. The one thing that I will say that very rarely holds water with me when I'm making a determination or a decision is that an FAQ is a ruling about that specific decision. We're not talking, this is not a Supreme Court case, <laughs> right? right? right. Um, it is not setting precedent for all sorts of other things that can open up. I treat the FAQs as precisely what they are, which is addressing the specific question, not the overall implications of what else it could mean for XYZ or trying to make the argument. Um, a perfect example is that I've had a lot of folks try and use the, you can't scheme through, uh, drop a scheme marker through a ice pillar question to mean that you can't interact ever through an ice pillar, which is not true hmm. because it specifically talks about models and things that are in base contact. Whereas, um, the actual definition in the the rules about within and range that anytime the word within is used, it is talking about range. And so for something like deliver a message, you know, Sandeep could interact with a fire gammon within like, you know, 12 of him to deliver that message if he needed huh. to. Right. Or because that question was asking specifically about scheme markers or something that required being in base contact, not range. Right. And so I've had, you know, and that's just an example. I've had things where, um, you know, that sort of things come up with players where they try and point. I'm like, well, I see where what what you are saying, but the FAQ is not a ruling on all aspects of how, you know, for instance, a, a specific model or specific rule always works or a specific ability. Right. It's answering the question that has been asked or posed. And if you look across the FAQ, even with like the wood heel, right? That was really, you know, the whole reason they came out with that chart and everything was to, you know, clear up the confusion. But the English language is a funny thing and a tricky thing. And even with that FAQ, right? It was really just addressing the one thing, yeah, right. right? It was not addressing how healing works across the board with all sorts of other stuff. It was asking about the one question. And a lot of the arguments they heard one way or the other and extrapolated arguments from that chronicle debacle, if you will, the healing chart definitely cleared stuff up and proved a lot of people on both sides wrong about a lot of things. Yeah. Yeah. Um, and so, and that was, you know, and that to me is a prime example of, you know, if it's an errata, yes, then 
then you are looking at something that is a full-on precedent changing the full rules of the game. But if it is a FAQ, it's more, that is a clarification about how specific interactions work. Yeah. And so the way, in the way that I describe it when I have somebody who is, you know, very passionate and trying to um, make their case to me is that, you know, again, it's not the Supreme Court, right? You're not making precedent decisions with an FAQ. You are making a decision about the specific case. Yeah, yeah. And, and as somebody who really wanted that to be precedential out of Chronicles, some of those other things, like, I, I, I hear you, and I, I was one of the guys that needed to hear that <laughs> for most of last year. And, and to me, it was just like, I got excited because I thought we found the answer, right? Like, I, I didn't, I didn't, mm-hmm. like, once Weird said it's this way, like, I was annoyed because I thought we found the answer earlier, and it was different from the one we, I thought we found. Uh, but it was like a good splash of cold water on me to remind me, like, okay, the FAQs and FAQ, right? Erratas are rulings, like you say. So, yeah. And I, and I think it's also, and I think this is something for everybody to remember too, is that not only are TOs human as well, right? So are Matt and Kyle. <laughs> right, right, right. You know, and we're all limited by this very, you know, by this language that we all share. And then to complicate things even further, you know, Malifaux gets translated into other languages. And so that nuance and that thing, you know, these things, um, I think that, you know, everybody who, who shows up to a tournament, whether you're there for casual play or to, you know, stomp some dicks and kick some ass, is to really make sure that you remember that everybody there is you know, is human, they're going to make mistakes and your TO especially, and then Matt and Kyle as well, they're all doing this because they care about the community and they want everybody to have fun. Yeah. I feel like every time you refer to how complicated the English language is, like a million nerds, like have a little triggering over the words, take the hit, but (laughs) (laughs) yeah. Um, Yeah. So anyway, we like having laid out the problem, like, you know, we, we as uh, TOs or any TO, I mean, you just said, like, your gut reaction on this thing is, you know, you wouldn't allow it in a tournament, right? We had to sit down and say, like, okay, we, we've all had a reaction here, it, but, like, we, we want to make sure we're not being post hoc about it, right? Like, or, or if we are being post hoc and saying this just shouldn't belong in the game, like, l- let's make sure, right? So you, you sort of do the thing where you, like, take the case and make it as strong as possible, right? Like, well... Like, you know, there there was a resisted flip, right? It was on the initial obey. Like, it, it was something where an action had a chance to be stopped. Uh, you know, that's a, a master level obey that just needs to tie you to, to get you to, you know, walk into Seamus and be executed. It takes a little bit of positioning. It takes hiring a second master. Like, you know, it, it takes having a crow or having a stone. Like, so there's some resources involved in just instantly deleting an opposing whatever a stone model and, and like that becomes a strong case right of, of okay this this should stand uh beyond that like there's sort of the philosophy of toing where like on the on on one side of it you can sort of say like this is weird's problem they built the game they should lie in its bed like if, if this is a problem let every reser do this to everyone in every dual master tournament until weird comes out with a new errata Right, and then like there are people who really want to make it like weight and evidence for standing arguments. Right, we need more common erratas, or, or or bands is the best format would be would be the horse that I would you know ride into town on. 
Likewise. <laughs> yeah, I, I I agree on that aspect, and I do all my events are bands. Yeah. So I will say that too. I mean, I'm happy to um, sidebar and and say like you know, bands is a great format for like splitting up combos that players find that that you know don't get caught in play testing. Uh, and I'm happy to sidebar and say like we we don't see what everything does get caught in play testing, right? I, I I'm very no. proud of that community and the work that they do, and I am not a part of it. Uh, like it's like being a cop. I would have to tell you if I was right. But, uh. Well, and, and 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 I I I say I'll say this too is the fact that you know there's been you know I think really since Third Ed came out there's been all this like debate, especially I would say between you know American and international play about whether dual masters should be allowed sure, yeah. right in general. And I feel like bands is the most elegant solution because it does prevent. Those sorts of things. So if you're worried or you don't know how to deal with, you know, I'll use the example when, you know, three first came out, people didn't know how to deal with like dreamers or Ida, right? Well, cool. You know that you're playing against, you know, one of those keywords, ban the other. Yeah. Yeah. And that gives the players a little bit of agency, but also, you know, doesn't mean you can't take, you know, dual master. It just means you got to find new stuff. Right. Right. And it means that, you know, and pay attention to your meta or the meta at large, but still gives you a little, you know, a little bit of compromise there on preventing some of these types of things. And it works on the other side too, of if you're playing a keyword that runs amok of dealing with more hard counters than some others, you have the ability to go, I'm going to ban X keyword. If you didn't declare it, because I know that provides you with hard counters to me. Yeah, and since we kind of got into yep. this a bit, I, I think, like, the strongest argument I've ever heard for not using bans is, like, top-level players know what to ban, and it gives them an edge, and newer players don't know what to ban, and so they, they, they don't have much of a shot of anything. And I, I think I, my two proposed responses to that, number one is, like, you can angel guard as a TO, like, a new player who only has two boxes, and just say, like, mm-hmm. this guy owns journalist and witch hunter and is going to play them together, you can't ban them, right? Um, or, or whatever. And then the new player who, like, randomly bans one of the seven remaining keywords might hit your secret tech. If they have zero bans, they have zero chance of banning your secret tech, right? So, like, just... By default, it is it is more likely to help a new player than doing nothing, and, you know, with the caveat that a new player is probably not likely to figure out which tech to bring from their other keyword to counter the thing you declared anyway. But yeah, mm-hmm. so that, that's my strong pitch on that. But um, we'll see. I I'd, I'd also argue that it, as far as us being a great community goes, it behooves. The, the better players, the more experienced players, whatever word you want to use there, it behooves them to say, hey, you're a new player. Whether this is a tournament or not, I'm probably going to beat you. Like, I'm, I'm, I have a pretty solid advantage over you anyway if you're a new player. It only helps the community if you as the more experienced player go, cool, we just declared our keywords. If I were you, I would ban this other keyword just because what I know of the keyword you declared there's some some things you don't want to see from that one. Yeah, right. Here's the other here, here's the other thing it, um, again, right? Language and la- dissecting language is a big part of Malifaux. I'm going to read what Ban says. After leaders are announced, starting with the attacker, each player may name a keyword not listed uh-huh. on their opponent's leader, not must, may. You're making a choice, right? 
And if you are a really high level player, right, taking advantage of a new player, I think it really speaks to the fact that you are making that choice, right? And it's also, in my opinion, telling people, telling folks in that, that community, the kind of player and person that you are. Mm-hmm. And it will also can get toxic, right? If somebody is choosing to act that way towards a new player who's entering the community. Yeah. Right. Because the way you teach people, yes, that person is probably going to lose the game, but you can still give them teachable moments. One of them should not be a gotcha. That's basically a fuck you. (laughs) Yeah. And, And that's, you know, and that's kind of my opinion on it that yes, I see the argument, right. But I don't think that it's an argument that carries a lot of water, especially because here's the thing. I've also seen plenty of top end players get their asses kicked by things they never expected. Mm-hmm. And I've also seen plenty of times where top level players just do exactly what Roman talked about and help even in a tournament, you know, the newer player guided through and yeah, it might cost them a, a point or two in the diff, but they're also helping their community, mm-hmm. you know, and they're helping to grow it by being a welcoming community you can be you can play to win and you don't have to be completely out for blood is kind of what i'm saying and i think that that is also speaks to what i try to do fostering in the meat space um because i've even you know run events you know at conventions and stuff and uh, so i get every every sort but everybody who plays in my events know that they're going to be fair and you're not going to be a jerk and that's one of the big rules that I have is that if you're going to play in one of my events, you're going to have a great time. But if you're a jerk in any you know way, shape, or form, and you're taking advantage of other players, you're out. Yeah, we refer to that as Wheaton's Law. Right. Well, we refer to mm-hmm. Wheaton's Law, uh, which is don't be a dick. If, if <laughs> um, you can you can find that at Wheaton Law, Wheaton's Law dot com, which has those four words in big relief for anyone who needs to see it. So. <laughs> Shut up. <laughs> yeah. Um, I, I also think, like, reviewing the actual formality of what happens with bans, like, the other, like, elegant thing you could do is ban a ban a keyword not in their faction. Right? That's, that's mm-hmm. shooting your shot in the sky in the middle of your, you know, 8 a.m. duel in New Jersey, right? So... <laughs> yeah. Um, yeah, just, like, ban Ancestor, like, just, just because it's Ancestor, right? Like, uh, all that stuff. If you're playing against me, ban ban Marshall, and I won't bring the lone Marshall on. And I will it, like you'll just stun me for five minutes while I try to figure out what else is in my faction. <laughs> Unless I declare Marshall, and then ban or uh, ban Elite, and I'll try to figure out what in my faction generates cards that isn't a lawyer, right? But mm-hmm. anyway, so uh, I feel like we've built enough suspense right now, right? We put this problem on the table. We talked about why it's such a good trick, but what actually happened? So let me let me go through this because the World Series ruling. I think uh, I, I mean I'm pr- I'm happy with what we did. I will also say like one of the interesting things in sort of ruling by committee is people had a lot of different paths to getting there, and uh, like you know we'll sometimes do this where people will say like so given the way we're describing this, it's going to work this way, or it's going to imply this. Okay, I'm fine with that, or. Like that—that that agrees with my understanding of this, or it, you know, and I—I I don't want to put all the different like pieces of the, that puzzle together, but like it, it's interesting to watch it happen, right? Because again, it's not the Supreme Court. Also, that's probably about how things happen in the Supreme Court. 
and, and it's not like we finally discover necessarily like exactly how the rules work. We like often will come to something as prosaic as a vote saying we think this is a good enough way for it to work for this matter, for this community, right? Until weird, uh, like fully errates it, FAQs it, or, or gives better clarity. So the, the outcome we came to were, were, we, we put out a pair of FAQ rulings. So like, again, to Rob's point, like these are FAQ rulings. They're not meant to be precedential, although they have implications. Uh, and, and the one was basically like, uh, it, you know, if somebody walk, like obeys you to walk into Seamus's engagement, who, like who controls the defense of the model that walked in? And we say the answer to that question for our purposes for these tournaments is the model's owner. That stands in part, and here I'm probably like in a gray area between World Series work and my own understanding of the rules. But in part that works because in FAQ 1.1, it says if Model Z controls Model X's action and you generate a new action, Model Z controls the new action. But I don't think that's supposed to be a global effect. And, And what I mean by that is like, if I take the jury and obey the guild steward to walk into Seamus, that generates a why hello love action by Seamus. And that's a may effect. So this would be like a gotcha where the Seamus player declares it. But I don't think I then get to say, aha, the FAQ says I control generated actions. So now I control your Seamus attack on my model. I think players, to my mind, correctly intuit that Seamus controls his why hello love attack and not the jury or Yanlo or whoever, mm-hmm. right? In the in the Yanlo Seamus trick, it works because it's the same owner controlling both models. But but I do think the idea is that obey does not create like global control of every model on the Malifaux table. I, I think you you control the obeyed action or actions of the model you're obeying. Now that involves interpreting the FAQ, right? You have to insert some language, uh, like right for model X, but I think that's more appropriate than inserting for every model. It, and and that comes mm-hmm. into things like coordinated attack, coordinated strike triggers as well. Well, and in the she- in the case of Seamus specifically, why hello love is a may, and that may is still determined that that is. Until that decision is made, no action has been generated. So if it was uh, Seamus friendly to the obeyed model, all the Seamus owner has to do is go, nope, I don't declare it. Right. Because why right. would you? But I even even if they declared it, I agree with you. Like, that's not... Because at that point, it's not generated by the effect. It's generated by the Seamus player's... Choice. Right. I mean, I, exactly. I think, you know, what that section of the FAQ seems to me to be covering is things like onslaught triggers, right? Like, you, you get to take your record mm-hmm. or flurry, exactly. right? You you make a choice to spend a resource to discard a card. So Or charge. Yeah, right, right. So so here's here's the crunch of that, right? So it, if, if it is correct to say that you control the generated actions of that model... Like, what you're now saying is Seamus in attacking is attacking a model owned by the player who was obeyed. Now, you could say that it is participating in the generated action that was generated by an, another model that is not being obeyed right now, right? Is sort of the distinction I want to draw around it. Mm-hmm. And so, like, there's some people who would say, well, it's still participating. It hasn't finished its obey. But again, I this involves treating obey as governing... Uh, one or more generated actions and not 
a timing window until it's completed, right? Mm-hmm. And so if you look at it that way, there is a rules-as-written case to be made that the owner of the model uh, can make those decisions. Now, that, I think, matches a little bit of what we see from Weird's intent in you know, pretty quick stomping out the auto kill with cremation uh, or, or mm-hmm. the instant kills without resist from Karis and the corpse curator having loads of condition moving. Mm. Uh, like I, I am acknowledging at every step of the way that it's possible the rules don't work that way and they work the other way. But I also think we are beyond the cases that were envisioned by the core rule set and, and we have to get a little bit sophisticated in responding to them. So, Again, like the, the the goal of laying that out is, y- you can bring a little bit of all three process steps into the response and say, okay, there's there's some rules as written room for this to work a certain way. There's some rules as intent precedent that seems to work in the same way, and there's the TO house rule intervention question of do we think the community should suffer through this for another X months until it gets clarified? Maybe. Or do we think it's appropriate to act now? And, and like, it may be that each lever is moving a little bit in motivating a decision in a way that's a little bit different from just being like, uh, this sucked for the guy that it happened to. Let, let's figure out how to blow it out of the rule set, right? And, and I think, again, with, with the World Series, for people who are interested in like how the World Series does things, like having those multiple vectors of, of how we approach it sometimes gets us to a place where, where we can kind of look at a rules as written thing or whatever and, and make a call. Now, in the process, we, we try to kick as many tires as we can. So uh, one of the things we kept saying was like, Weird seems to have been aware of Zoraida obeying models to walk away from Hinamatsu, who has Wicked. And Hinamatsu has been, con- well, Zoraida has been controlling the defenses of the disengaging models for several gating grounds now. So if Weird has been aware of that intervention and, or interaction and has not intervened, are, are we incorrect in assuming that they don't want, like, you know, uh, owners to be able to intervene and defend their models after they've been obeyed? And basically, the, the, the hair that gets split there is, well, when you take a disengage action, you specifically commit to a, being attacked by the action you've taken while obeyed, which is a little different than an ability on another card generating it incidentally. Mm-hmm. That's probably the kind of rules hair splitting that goes on with like uh, Leviticus being able to kill himself with sanguine evocation because it's an effect and not a cost. Mm-hmm. But um, it, it sort of worked enough for us. And so we put out a ruling. Uh, and, and by worked enough for us, I mean we have magic processes that figure out the rules perfectly, guys, right? But... <laughs> <laughs> but but we kind of put out the second pair of these paired FAQs saying when you know when a model with wicked who is under an obey effect or when when a model with wicked attacks a model that is under an obey effect taking a disengage action who controls the defenses well model Z making the obey does in that case it is our way of saying like these FAQs are very specific right and the one thing affects the obey execute and the other one affects wicked disengaging. <laughs> which may put that a little bit back on the radar of Neverborn players uh, in the game. Now, one funny impact of, of pairing the rulings that way and splitting the hairs that way is our, our wonderful combo player went back to his, his den of iniquity and immediately figured out, in keyword for McMorning, you can take White Rabbit Company, which has an execute attack, plastic surgery it onto Sebastian, who is a model in the game, 
and Sebastian has Wicked. And so if you now <laughs> obey a model to leave Sebastian's melee range, uh, you can execute him under those conditions. The, the trick with that is... Uh, the the in keyword way to do that is with a nurse and the small favor obey, which requires poison plus three on the model. So I think if, if you're failing an obey, you've already got poison three on you. You're already engaged by uh, Sebastian, and your opponent has taken Sebastian in his or her crew. Like there's enough. Yeah, exactly. Like you're paying a lot, right? Right? You're right. Paying a lot to um, get. And again, yeah. I think you know, with bands format and the fact that dual masters is a pretty limited commodity in the Malfo World Series, like that feels like a decent state of affairs for us for right now. You know, if sixty percent of tournament lists become Sebastian execute lists, we've got a problem. <laughs> but uh, I think for now, like you know, we we kind of have have figured out one approach to one question. Uh-huh. So, I will say something, um, you know, I, I think that the way you all have gone about it is um, a really fair way to serve your, the Vassal community, um, and the players who are playing in that, because uh, probably more than any other Malifo community, it's got the most international players, so you've got people who are parsing language all over the world, because Vassal makes it possible to play with people all, all over the world, which is great. But you're also dealing with a lot of comp- uh, competitive players in um, Alpha World Series. And I think that um, in that regard, too, that because you're dealing with language barriers, because you're dealing with cultural barriers, because you're dealing with you know players all across the world, you're dealing with a large community, and you're dealing with players who do expect a high level of competition, even for you know more casual folks who are coming in just to you know get games. Um, having, you know, sort of a, a codices, if you will, of rules definitely makes sense for what you all are doing. Um, I will say that, um, you know, where I would ban this is in my local tournaments, right? Where I, where I would say that, you know, either implement bans, which I already do to make sure that it just doesn't come up, but also the thing where I would not, where I would allow it to just act as rules as written without, you know, making any changes is if I'm running, like, a convention tournament because I don't know who all is showing up, right? You know, I get a list, but I don't know who all those players are. You know, and I'm going to try and run as fair of a, as an event, even if there are going to be some of those terrible feeling gotchas, which I can't imagine any player not feeling like, you know, an auto execute is uh, with zero agency is going to be fun. You know, for anybody. Yeah. And so I think, uh, but but that being said, you're dealing with a completely different animal when you are a T- TO coming out to whether it's Gen Con, Adepticon, Muson Con, Indie Storm, you know, Nova, like all these places where we have like big Malifaux events, right? You've got folks coming all over. I don't know everybody, right? I don't know how everybody's going to react. I don't know. You know, it's nice that I have a lot of, like, my community members or people that I know in the greater national or or international Malifaux community. But that doesn't mean somebody's not going to lose it over something that they are, from a technical standpoint, correct about, right? And Mm -hmm. for Mm -hmm. me, it's not worth the time, the energy, or the effort. Because I'm also going to make sure that the person who did get gotcha'd is going to get something out of it. And that's kind of how I, you know, go about those sorts of things. Cause also a lot of the time at my events, 
all you're getting if you place first is you're getting first place. Um, <laughs> <Right>. <laughs> you know, cause that, that's the bragging rights, um, for a lot of my events is I do a lot of like random raffles and everybody has a sh- shot at prizes and generally everybody comes away with something physical that is not just like, you know, great. I got like, you know, a token or something like everybody comes away with, you know, great prize support. And I think that I guess my point there is that, you know, when it comes to the big convention type stuff, I will err on the side of rules as written because it's not worth going into anything else. Mm-hmm. And because I- usually, and usually when something has come up at like a convention, it usually is a weird case and it can be resolved. I've only had a couple of instances at like a big, big event that I ran where I had folks coming from all over that was not like a local event. Uh, where the rules interaction was something where, like, we just had not seen it before, right? And in those, you know, cases I didn't make, you know, a judgment call based on rules as written, mainly because I didn't have the time, given the round, to take as deep of a dive into it, right? And two, I'm not, I'm just not going to change for those big events because they're, you know, rare. You've got people coming up from all over and I'm going to defer to how it's written. And as you said, like, right, it's, it's weird's problem. But that being said, the majority of the events that I am going to be running is part of, you know, a circuit, right? Like we're part of Great Lakes for the Malfo or US Fotor. And we are, you know, we've got players who come out from Ohio, Chicago, and St. Louis all the time to my events. So they are, you know, our local events are very well attended by, you know, a lot of really good players who are very knowledgeable. But everybody also knows that I'm going to be fair, but, you know, something like what we're talking about here that you guys made a ruling on, they know that my exact reaction would be get the fuck out of here with that. Mm-hmm. Like, you know, and, 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 and that's because my, my actual true responsibility, like I said from the start, is not to placate competitive players, right? Yeah. Yeah. My responsibility is to build a community and to make sure that that community stays together and likes each other and has fun with each other and finding these exploits that just feel awful. And the ones that I feel are the ones that feel off are the ones that take all agency away from your opponent, because then you're not playing a game with an opponent. You're playing a game against yourself. Yeah. To me, the point of, you know, bringing the table, you know, minis to the tabletop is that socialization. Even if you kick someone's butt, like you're going to do it where they have agency. And Mm -hmm. I think that, you know, and even back when we had the henchman program, they wanted us to be fair, but they wanted us to build community, right? And that's kind of what I view as sort of like my my North Star in all the decisions that I make is I'm going to be fair. I'm going to be strict when it comes to rules as written for a lot of things. But if you find a combo that does something that I deem detrimental to the community, especially if you keep doing it in like a tournament or something like that then then we're going to have, you know, an issue. And it's not that I'm going to make a big deal. I'm just going to make a ruling about it. And if you don't like it, you don't have to play in my events. Yeah. And I will say this is that despite me being pretty stoic in that stance, we've only ever really lost one player over a rules thing um, in the God, almost what, six years that I've been doing this now running, you know, faux events um and and toing and we've only lost one player from our community who had an issue with it and we've gained so many more players because we're fostering a really positive community that is as roman mentioned before that you know 
all of our top players really, you know, even in the tournaments and even at big tournaments, I have seen them, if that, you know, uh, help guide, you know, opponents that they one know that, you know, if they were lesser human beings, I think would be toying with their opponent, but instead are wonderful human beings and are helping, you know, the new, new folks learn the game because they know they're going to win the game anyway. I like seeing that because it really allows, you know, the new players to get a sense of like the, the deeper processes that go in, into the game. Um, yeah. And it's the only way that they can get better, right? Is that, you know, I've never seen one of our players who is a top player pull their punches, right? But I have the, seen them be very open and offer a lot of excellent advice, even in game, that would be detrimental or counter what they're trying to do with their own models. Yeah, I'm going to I'm gonna toot our horn just a little bit more on that one. On top of all that, the way that you have fostered the community has meant that we really don't have any that guy in in the community, which I love. Yeah. It really lets the new people, when they come in, kind of relax into it. Like, no one's kind of giving them a hush look going, you don't want to play Jimmy over there. He's he's just going to steamroller <laughs> you and laugh the whole time. Like, you don't have that happening. Yeah. And, and I will say that because the the top players in our community have also been so generous in that way, the folks who are newer or less experienced or less skilled, they've all improved. Mm-hmm. Um, and some of them are becoming our top players now, too. And I think that, you know, when it when it comes to this sort of thing, yes, it's great to find combos. I do it all the time. Help. Roman and I are preparing for a team tournament that we're, that uh, somebody else is going to run for me, so I get to play for a change. And we're already coming up with like really disgusting things, but that's the point of team tournaments, yeah. right? Is that you're supposed to take stuff out of faction, it's supposed to be silly and broken, and everybody sets that expectation, right? Th- this leads me to kind of everything about my point is that what I love about you walking us through this process and talking about how your, your committee came to its decision shows that you all in Malifa World Series or the Vassal World Series are committed to being transparent, but more importantly, setting the expectations for your players. And I think that that is one of the primary things that TOs should also do is that for every event for and for their community, they need to set the expectations for everybody else. And I think that what you all are doing is the equivalent of like what I do, you know, and how I build my community and how the players who, you know, get to know me, you all are doing the same thing, just in a different way that serves the community that you are working with, which is online. And that, you know, like you said, you can't watch every game. Yeah. Yeah. Well, cheers. And thanks. Uh, Because I really do think we, we stay focused on people enjoying playing Malifaux in this way, First, I, I do want to hasten to repeat. I think I said it at the outset, but th- there is no that guy in this story. The the, play, the players who played this game are cool with each other, so far as anyone can see. And I think like the discovery of this combo is amazing and awesome. Like I, I want players to keep doing that over and over again. Like this one, you know, we we think probably went over a line, but like power to him and like. I, I laughed out loud when he figured out how to still make it work in experimental keyword. I do think like two two thoughts about those big cons that you mentioned and like you know having to having to deal with a, a group that's not your your local community and interacting across it. Number one, like Ambrose would want me to say like you can use our FAQ. The the fact that it is not official 
like doesn't mean that we haven't chewed through a lot of stuff. And uh, if, if you've got competitive players traveling, chances are they're at least aware of, of this thing. It, like somebody in their play group probably plays on Vassal and like can get help them find it or, or has seen it before or has like taken home like, hey, they made this weird ruling. How do you like do you think they ruled it right? So like it, it, it at least has the value of being around in a lot of places. You know, you, you can take it, you can adapt it, like it, it's a starting point, but um, if you if you want a you know trim as we can make it packet of rulings that you can send out to players ahead of time, you can go over ours and use it a, as you want. Uh, it's it's available on our Discord. You can message me or any of us. We'll get it to you. Uh, all that good stuff. Terrific. The other thing, like the other suggestion, is on the player side, if, if you want to bring your secret tech combo that you've worked out to a con tournament. Like, I, I would seriously advise you to ask the TO in advance if they're going to allow it to work. Because, like, number one, it gives the TO a chance to, to review the rules and figure out whether they think it does or doesn't. N- number two, like, you don't want to find out that the second master you hired isn't getting their tech off in, a, in the middle of, like, pulling the interaction during a game when you're, like, 16 stolen stones in the hole for making that combo work, right? Yeah. Uh, and, and beyond that, like, if you're you know, flying and packing up a tourney bag or whatever. Like, if those are the kids you're bringing to do that thing, like, and maybe you want to just play the Yamlo instead, like, you know, if it's not going to work, you want to know that before you're in round three, right, or whatever, so. Yeah, and, you know, and I will second what you're saying there, too, um, or piggyback off of it, which is, for anybody listening, always, 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 before any event, ask your TO questions, whatever it is whatever it is if you have a rules query if you have you know uh, a question about you know proxies if you have a question about you know whether you know clarification as to whether you know bands or other formats if they're not listed right um always ask because there's not a to that i know who isn't happy to answer questions and make things as clear as possible because it all not only does it clear everything up for the player but it also means that the to also can brush up on weird stuff, as uh, Ben just said, of trying to figure out, oh, I hadn't even thought about that. Let me take a look at it. Uh, but a lot of the time, your TOs also <coughs> have an immediate answer for it because they do spend a lot of time thinking about these things. Mm-hmm. And so mm-hmm. uh, I, I encourage anybody to reach out to your local TO, to your big event TO, ask, 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 ask. Um, because the reason any TO does this is because they love the game, the community. And they like talking about, you know, Malphone. They like to to make sure that everybody is on the same page. That's one of our responsibilities is to make sure that everybody, you know, feels comfortable and confident so that when they go into their games, they feel like they're playing at their best. Mm-hmm. Yeah, absolutely. Ben, unless you had something else, I've been looking over rules that you didn't mention in the obviously involved rulings for this just to see if there was anything else that jumped out at me as something that may offer a rules as written without needing a internal faq on this and i i keep coming back to the difference between wicked and why hello love or rather wicked and disengage and why hello love uh combined with the simultaneous or excuse me the sequential effects uh, statement on page 34 of the rulebook, which is essentially when you finish an effect, finish it completely before moving on to the next one. 
and like we mentioned earlier, Why Hello Love is a choice after the end of the movement. It doesn't specify the, the, the resolving of the action because there are movements that aren't part of an action. But, like, the end of a movement, if it is a move action, or a walk action, rather, would be resolving it. So that would be resolve action, then at that point the obey is done, and the Seamus player, even if it's yourself, can choose to make the attack, I think is how that works. It doesn't get around the wicked issue, because the reason, from what I can tell, that Zoraida is still controlling the defensive flip of her obeyed model that is disengaging... Is there the attack that is being caused is part of the disengage action. If you actually read the disengage action, it starts with an enemy model engaging this one may take an attack targeting it, targeting it before it moves. So I think that's why that still works, and that with Sebastian with the extra setup could still be a problem, and Weird might need to look into that, but I do either of you see any problem with what I'm saying as far as as written, with that interpretation, it doesn't actually work with Seamus? I will admit that the timing of, of sequential effects is one of my weaker rules points, and I, I let other guys walk me through that. I, again, like so from my, from my perspective, getting to this ruling lets us work with obeys as governing a set of actions instead of a set of timing. And so I don't, I don't try to get into solving the timing. Like, I, I think what you're trying to do is, is create an argument that if obey governs a timing window, that timing window has ended by the time this kind of generated attack begins. Exactly. And, and I'm, and I'm not sure that that squares with FAQ 1.1 without also d- doing the step I, I feel is necessary of saying, Model Z only controls the actions Model X generates for itself. So, so because I think that step is necessary either way, I just kind of set aside the timing question of, of what timing an obey governs. Uh, because obviously an obey's timing stretches to govern whatever actions it's creating. And, and so it's a weird case to begin with. So I guess that's a non that, that is my refusal to engage. <laughs> <laughs> fair, and, and fair enough, I understand I know that. What you're this doing. Is you're a... trying to get me engaged by the Sebastian of your rules approach so that you can obey me away from it. <laughs> but I have seen this combo, sir, and I have poison three in my belly and will not be going that direction. Uh, <laughs> I mean, if you have poison three in your belly and you're facing me, you're not facing Sebastian, you're facing Brewmaster. And I probably brought Hoffman <laughs> and the Whiskey Golems down, and I think I'll take those odds. Yeah, and I'm sad yeah. now. <laughs> <laughs> my, my reply is a little bit similar, which is the fact that I just have to study up on it a little bit more before I came up. I, I, kind of, I understand what you're, you're saying, but I'd have to take a deeper dive and, you know, and that's the same thing that I would tell folks during a game, right? Is, you know, let me take, mm-hmm. take a look at it. And, you know, in a case of that, it would be a lot of stuff that I'd have to take a look at, right? I, I'm wise enough to say I don't know, but something like this also wouldn't necessarily come up in a game, right? So let me take, let me think on it. Maybe. I'll probably just give the two of you an answer at some point, not, <laughs> not the <laughs> listeners, because uh, because you, you you make some interesting points, but I just have to take a look at it. I'm yeah, and that 
I really want to take a look at some of the timing and some of the other stuff, because, like I said, I don't use FAQs to determine precedence mm-hmm. for all things, right? I'm going to go by the actual timing charts that we see and what's in the actual book in the errata, and then, you know, how the actual card is written itself. But I do see what you're saying. Mm-hmm. I'm just not sure that it's enough for me to fall one way or the other when it comes to Seamus with this. I mean, here's here's the thing that I will say. I think why Hello Love is just kind of a problem. Um, and while I don't mind its existence, I would like to see some changes because the amount of really crazy combos that, you know, are almost like that, that take away player uh, agency. That's the sort of thing that makes me concerned about the game because that's how people quit. Mm-hmm. Um, and as a TO and as an event organizer, and as the person who just organizes the, you know, regular play nights, right. I've seen people quit for less than what I've seen Seamus do. And if people have quit for less, you know, I, I'm, yeah, we- <laughs> I have had players who came very close to quitting because, because of, you know, some of these really heavy exploits with Why Hello Love, especially since Malifo Burns. And so I, I do want to just say that I feel like, but especially be- because of that emergency errata, I think it's just very much on the radar mm-hmm. and weird that, you know, something might have to give and still give the flavor and still have, you know, Seamus be a badass on the table, but not, you know, take away the opponent's agency entirely. Because, again, to me, that is, you know, kind of a North Star of what I think is going to be balanced, even in a tremendously unbalanced or broken game like Malifaux. You know, like Craig Chipman says all the time, it's great because everything's broken and he's right. Uh-huh. But, but it's great because everything's broken and everybody has agency. Right. Yes. And when that agency is taken away, and that's this is in any game, this is in any aspect of life, when your agency gets taken away you are no longer having a good time, period. Mm-hmm. And I think that that is something that, you know, and it's one thing to have a bad game, right? It's another where this specific thing is causing a problem, and no matter who it's against, the the agency is dis- disappearing. And so those are the sorts of things that I keep an eye on. I don't make any knee-jerk thing. I don't say, you know, I did not ban from my players at all them playing, you know, especially in casual or even at some of the events. Like, I did not ban them from, you know, using the exploits until that errata came out, right? And I think part of it was that I knew that that was, it was a big enough thing that it was causing enough of a stir that I'm just going to let them play it out because I know that it, I knew it was going to be addressed, and that's another tact that I take with some of these things, too, is the fact that there are certain things that when you've been TOing long enough and, you know, been working with weird in, you know, those ways as well, like, you know when they're going to address something. I think they, overall, they've done a very good job of addressing things that take away player agency. Yeah, when... That's an excellent point. When when, um, when Malifo Burns dropped, we... I, I asked somebody on one of the discords, I cannot source it, I can't remember who made it, but... Asked someone to make us a Photoshop of Yanlo, McMorning, and Seamus with Professor McGonagall saying, why is it whenever something goes wrong, it's always you three? <laughs> oh, yeah. No, it would be perfect. It would be perfect. I, I went and found the meme and, and started posting it again, but I cannot, I can't, I can't remember who I asked to make it. So thank you, whoever you are out there. That was, we, we still are running into the need to use that thing. So, Yeah. <laughs> That's- eternally. Eternally for third edition. 
I would not be surprised if it was one of our giggle smiths in the Steam Powered Scoundrels Discord, because we have several excellent ones. Yeah, I don't know if I like did a deep search in Steam Powered Scoundrels, because I thought it was a Swamp Fiends person, but I'll, I'll, uh, yeah, if, if it was one of you, you have my respect and thanks again. I just don't remember who you are. <laughs> but you are a true hero of Malifaux. That's right. <laughs> Well, this, this last little turnaround is a great example of, of what happens when you ask a cold question of a T.O. and they have to go, uh, I don't know. Well, yeah, you you, you got to run back and get to your red phone and talk to Matt and Kyle oh and gosh. really source the answer. We, we understand. I mean, like, if, guys, if, if you catch me as the T.O. that happened to be watching your game and ask a question, I usually like have a moment of freak out where I pretend like I didn't hear it and go, oh, what was that again? As I'm like frantically looking at the rule book and I'm like typing in the like uh, other Discord that we use, like, guys, anyone on? What's the answer to this one? I think it's this. And then, like, at some point, you just got to give people a ruling so they can finish their game. And, and you know, usually the players bring you like their theory of the case and so often that'll that'll make me think like I do think that's right and we'll you know that helps get us to the right rulebook pages but man if if you're able to help us help us help you by by finding that stuff in advance it really like gives you a, a better chance of having a fully accurate answer so I also I, I second all of what you're saying because again we're, we're trying and we and we want to to get to the the right answer right but I will say, that there is another solution as well. And this is more of a, a scoundrel style solution. But if you're at an event and you want to get an answer and it's not, you know, there's confusion. My understanding is that Nate has the weird guys on speed dial, given the fact that, you know, he got so much shit named after him and credited to him. So if you slip him some cash, Nate has proved that uh, weird is not beyond yeah. bribery. So, <laughs> Rob, if you want, if you want things to fall your way and make sure that you know, oh, I don't know, May Fang becomes the new like steam powered powerhouse of Malifaux, unstoppable. Slip Nate some bucks. Give uh, him a Rob, call. Rob, I am broke after bribing you to say as many nice things as you said about the World Series Committee on this cast. So, <laughs> so maybe you can bribe weird for me. Oh, I, I'm flush with cash for, yeah. uh, for, for to, to send into nice. Nate's pockets. So yeah, for, for all the hopes and dreams of it's combos it. that have died around us tonight. <laughs> Here's the thing: no matter no matter how much I bribe him, though, or how much he bribes me or Matt and Kyle, it never stops me from making sure that he and Roman get paired against each other in round two of all my events. So, <laughs> I mean, we kind of do that ourselves. <laughs> You you yeah. really do. I've never had anything. Every every time they come up to me, they give me their results, and then I announce round two. I'm just like, Jesus, guys, why, why? Uh, or the rare case we get paired in round one, we freaking tie. Oh no! <laughs> mm-hmm. Perfectly semestrical vibes. That, that was that 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 was beautiful, though. That was beautiful. No, no, the the beautiful moment of that was at the end of it because that was last year at Gen Con. Kyle, who is standing like 10 feet away, <laughs> just kind of watching and chuckling about various things during the, the tournament, comes over after the fact going, wait, 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 you tied? What are you, cowards? <laughs> we died laughing. Oh my god, it was great. Oh. <laughs> it was wonderful. They like you. They really like you. <laughs> <laughs> they like they like Nate's yeah. money. <laughs> 
Well, uh, thank you guys again for airing this episode. Like, I I think, I, as I put it to one person, I had my head so far up the rulebook's ass on this question for, like, two days straight trying to figure out how it was supposed to work that I, I just needed some place to, to put it back out there. Um, and, and what better place than Steam Powered Scoundrels to platform that kind of content? Of course, Steam Powered Scoundrels isn't even a uh, choice, it's a lifestyle. Like, once you're here, you're here. I was so glad that you reached out and we had a chance to talk about this. I think we covered a lot of important points for the game and, and the mindset to come to the game within the community. Probably turned over a couple rocks in there on why the community is as great as it is. And if anybody out there is trying to grow their area of it, this is a good one to listen to on possible unseen, unthought-of aspects that might help with that. And thank you both for coming on to lend legitimacy to talking about the rules. <laughs> You're very welcome. Always, always appreciate coming on the Scoundrels. So. Awesome. So, yeah, let's go ahead and wrap this up. Uh, first off, Rob, if anybody wants to hear your dulcet tones in other places or reach out to you with TO questions, where can they find you? They can find me on my podcast game store dropouts we talk a little malfo but we really talk a lot more about rpgs tabletop board games lots of different stuff but all with kind of a gamer bent and definitely uh a lot of organizing questions as well because we talk a lot about gming and uh organizing events so catch us on all your podcasters it's uh game store dropouts and if you have TO questions, I'm Hoosier Soulstone, Hoosier Soulstone <laughs> on the weird forums and on Discord. And actually on your podcast, I would say at some point with what we were talking about agency tonight, I think it would be a great topic for you guys to cover of DMs, GMs dealing with the concerns of I don't want to remove player agency, but I want to use something that's dealing with mind altering effects that maybe causes their players or their characters to do something unusual outside of their choice momentarily. I think that would be a great one for you guys to cover. Funny you mentioned that, Roman, because <laughs> we have that actually on our list of topics coming up. <laughs> Excellent. So. We've not recorded it yet, so maybe we'll get you in there, too, to help us out. Um, but yeah, that's that's actually on our list. Awesome. Um, meanwhile, if you figure out how to get people to do things you want them to without removing their agency and would like to let the Alpha World Series Committee know how to use that trick on the player base, we'd be really glad to know about that. <laughs> uh, only only in the context of RPGs do uh, we to do that. So, But like I said, bribery. Bribery works. <laughs> that, might, that might work, yeah. Ben, how about yourself? Uh, any pluggables or where people can reach you if they have TO questions? Uh, so the TO questions thing, um, it, it basically what you want to do is get on the Malifaux Vassal LFG Discord. It is linked on the forums. It's You can find it through a weird place. But yeah, if you get on that Discord and ask questions about the World Series Committee, one of us will come out of an alley and flash lights at you and abduct you in the fog and... and Ask you who, who told you about the World Series Committee? What podcast were you listening to? But seriously, like we're mo most of us are on there fairly often. It's, it's not hard to get our attention and get a question answered and all that good stuff. If you just want to hear me, I guess this is a, a Malifaux adjacent plug. But my wife and I do hobby podcasting on a, on a podcast called Comic Belief, which is on Podbean and Apple uh, Podcasts, and. Uh, 
in my secret identity, when I'm not doing my full-time job of Malifaux World Series committeeing, uh, I, I, <laughs> I, I moonlight as a parish priest in the Episcopal Church, and my wife has an art history background, and so we, we like, basically watch nerdy stuff, like sci-fi, fantasies, you know, Marvel films, whatever, and then, like, try to pull out, like, you know, what, what kind of, like, philosophy ideas or, or faith themes or character, you know, big, big moments and changes are going on in these things, and... You know, it, it ranges from silly to, like, sublime and profound. It'll change your life, some of the episodes. And the only little uh, caveat I'd put on that is we, we didn't figure out until season three of that that we should cold open with the, I'm Ben, I'm Megan, hello, and not the, like, splash of noise from our intro song. So, <laughs> if you, you know, if you want to check us out, I, I would say it's not sequential. Like, look at season three, find something you're interested in, see if that's your jam. And then, you know, if, if you're committed, you can go back and... Brace yourself for the ear blast of seasons one and two. But yeah, that that's kind of my other hobby project. Awesome. I actually asked that because I remembered you had one. I remembered yeah. it sounded interesting. I remembered it was about, I couldn't remember the name. And now I've just added it to my Podbean catcher. Oh, bless your heart. Thanks. Yeah. <laughs> cool. Awesome. Thank you both again so much for, for doing this. Reminders to the uh, gentle listeners and I guess the more aggressive ones too. <laughs> If you have a cool idea of something you want to talk about Malifaux-related with us, with the Scoundrels, or if you are wanting to start your own podcast and just want to ask us, hey, how the heck do you do this, reach out to us on the Discord. It'll be linked, as always, in our show notes. You know, we're fun to hang out with anyway. So we look forward to any questions this may cause. In the meantime, thank you all for listening, and remember after today to give a hug to that T.O. behind the curtain near you. And pay Nate. <laughs> he accepts uh, bacon as currency, just so you know. And teeth. He's an orc player. Ah, very true. Yes. Bacon and teeth. <laughs> Good night, everybody. Thanks. Hug your local T.O.s, and as Doug always says, fun is always king. Songs used in this production are Villainous Treachery and Five Card Shuffle. All music is created by Kevin McLeod and is licensed under Creative Commons.